So you have your container with coffee sitting there at the port, but you're not able to get it out because the shipping lines are deciding, okay, we're, we're already behind on schedule. We are not serving for them the less attractive markets. nearly a running joke that every other week it's another email from dairy suppliers for example telling us that dairy crisis is continuing to hit farms so they're having to raise prices of milk. I believe globalization is something that is going to be in a way turning into more localization if that makes sense which is going to be trying to produce as much as possible locally while still leveraging globalization for specific products. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, editor-in-chief of coffee business magazine Fifth Wave. Today's coffee shop operator will almost certainly never have experienced supply chain disruptions as severe as we are currently experiencing. The war in Ukraine, lockdowns in Chinese ports, and for our British listeners, Brexit, to name a few. So how are global supply chain challenges affecting coffee shop operators around the world? And what are the short and medium-term solutions? To understand these issues, we speak with Jack Brewitt of 92 Degrees, Gert Jan Elling at Algrano, and we start with Javier Martinez, Global Supply Chain Officer for Costa Coffee, the coffee chain and roastery with over 4,000 coffee shop outlets across 35 countries. Welcome to Fifth Wave, Javier. Thank you very much, Jeffrey, for inviting me. Excellent. Well, I'm looking forward to a great conversation today. You're the Global yes. Supply Chain Officer for Costa Coffee. Indeed, I am. So I joined Costa now uh, nine months, more than nine months ago, last October, as a chief supply chain officer, a member of the global executive board of the company. After, I would say, uh, 16 successful years in, uh, in Danone as a global operations director, as well for the company managing local, global and regional roles. Yeah. Wow. So there's a bit of a history there. I was wondering how you get to become a global supply chain officer. So obviously, 16 years with a large company like that. Yeah, lots of logistics. So if we get down to the nuts and bolts of what a business as large as Costa is facing, what are what would you say your really big challenges? So if I start, I give you, we'll try to summarize in four or five. There are many others, but if I go to the really specifics that are impacting our business, the first one is product availability. And within our overall portfolio, I would probably highlight three main categories. Coffee, obviously, that's the core of our business. And I was talking before about weather conditions. So due to, yeah, really very changing weather conditions, but also logistic challenges. It's coffee availability in a way has been considerably reduced during the last months, I would say. Continuing on this product availability, paper-based product. We have, for example, takeaway paper cups, which has been increasing quite a lot in terms of consumption uh, within the pandemic. It's really part of an important part of our business. Uh, and due to the invasion of Russia and Ukraine, uh, being both uh, very important uh, pulp and paper producers, obviously capacity and availability is also reduced. And last but not least, probably plastic-based products. And we know all the current situation of oil price increasing, uh, having the converters margin being reduced. So there is a lot of people out there being very cautious on buying raw materials. So definitely product availability is one of the challenges we are facing. A second one probably I would highlight is, and once more I refer to Probably some initial or previous podcast you, you had is about inflationary dynamics that we are immersed into. Uh, energy prices are skyrocketing, impacting the fuel, electricity, gas, you name it. All sources of energy are today 
really very much impacted and that in a way influenced our ability to bring product along the chain, but even include, including even in our stores everywhere. Logistics, uh, we are going through, a, a, I would say, a very challenging uh, moment of time with sea uh, container price increasing three to five times previous to pandemic. Uh, we have coffee, for example, doubling price in just the last 12 months. Our food price as well, uh, in a way, rising from 15 six to 60% due to several elements, uh, being, for example, wheat, one important element of our food value proposition uh, being impacted by the war of Ukraine. So definitely inflation is, I would call as a second challenge. What else? The third one I would probably call out is very much the difficulty that we have in terms of forecasting consumer demand, right? We are just in the middle of post-COVID recovery. So consumers are happy to go outside and in, indulge in themselves. But at the same time, there is not a full recovery of people going to work, for example, as it used to be in the past. Footfall levels in UK, for example, aren't totally recovered yet. And at the same time, there is an increased risk of potential recession as consumer inflation is rising. Predictability of demand is really a, a big challenge to secure the supply chain of many companies um, being Costa also impacted, of course. Four elements probably is about logistics overall, right? So we've got port congestions in many countries around the globe. We have as well logistic reliability, right? So it, it was probably a sea freight. It was probably not one of the most reliable uh, means to transport uh, before pandemic uh, around levels with 65%. We are today at levels of 30, 30% of reliability. So that's impacting heavily our ability to ship goods from one country to another. And probably the last uh, challenge, I would say once more, there are many others, but a big one that we also were discussing before is about labor shortage, right? Both in logistics and manufacturing, that's happening in some countries and UK is, is definitely one of them. It's really difficult to secure for example, drivers in the country after many European drivers decided to move back to the, to their countries. And the same in manufacturing. It's, I think it's the first time in my professional career that we've got uh, an important producer in the UK that was not able to produce, I would say, just some months ago because they were not able to secure labor to run their production facilities. So, yeah, I would say those are the four or five main challenges we are facing today. But uh, I could continue talking about wow. trade barriers, uh, cybersecurity elements as well that is impacting our supply chain and many other elements indeed. Wow, that's a huge array of challenges. So how do you solve this? So in your day job, what, what are the measures you need to take? Inflation, take the first problem. How do you deal with that? I think that in a way, there are several elements. If I would say inflation, there are two, three levers that can be activated. Knowing that, in a way, when we talk about commodities, it's very difficult to tackle, right? So at the end of the day, there's an element on reducing your profitability, your margin as a company. That's the first initiative that, that you take because we, we don't have the luxury to pass all inflation to our consumers. Otherwise, we wouldn't have, in a way, consumers and customers coming to our shops to consume coffee, right? So one element is about sacrificing the margin. There is a second element, which is very much about diversifying the sourcing. And it's very much about balancing the sourcing from, from different countries, different suppliers. Third element is really very much about uh, making sure that there is a business contingency plan every time that we, uh, we go through each one of the categories that we buy. But I would say if I may today out of the challenges we are facing, I would always, at this moment of time, prioritize availability versus inflation because once more, there is no much you can do when the, I would say, inflation or the, the level of prices we are having today are impacting the business. It's very much about first availability is probably the most critical element in those times of disruption indeed. So by that, do you mean making sure you've got the product at whatever price you have to buy it? 
Yeah, I think that at, at this moment of time, I don't think we have the luxury as we had before on having many choices, very much about making sure that we first have the product, probably uh, sacrificing a bit of the margin and in a way uh, ensuring that you have that product uh, ready to be delivered to our customers. We have gone through a pandemic in a way there was there has been several companies that entered into bankruptcy because they don't have the means to support the business. So the supplier's landscape has been reduced. As I was mentioning, because of weather conditions and other drivers, agricultural products, our availability is also reduced. So at one point of time, the main focus is availability and trying to, in the meantime, work on some other areas to make sure that the, the pricing element is not fully impacting the P&L of the company. Mm. And on that point of availability, are there products that you just can't get? I would say at this moment of time, it's not about not being able to have, but what we are experiencing is enormous delays versus the logistic flows we used to have pre-pandemic, pre-COVID, pre-war. So I, I feel quite, I would say, proud of the work that the teams at Costa are doing to secure availability. And once more, we have been working quite uh, relentless during the last months and years into having a solid base of suppliers with business contingency planning in place. But definitely, yes, availability. I would say delays on, on availability is, is quite frequent. And I give you a couple of examples, probably. Coffee lead times have moved from 30 days, 45 days pre-pandemic. And we are today very much into 75, 90 days of move of goods from, in a way, regions to back to Europe. Paper availability is also being, being a challenge. And once more, lead times, yeah, in, I would say, increasing by 50% versus pre-pandemic. So yeah, it's very much about delay on availability versus really having problems. I wouldn't say today we have a problem on not being delivered. And if it's the case, it's very much about, a timeline is very much about weeks, but not about we don't have product to serve our consumer. And we secure quite very well coffee availability. We try to buy coffee six to nine months before we need it so that we don't, we don't have our consumers not having their coffee every year. Yep. Every day, first, time, first thing in the morning, yeah. We never would want to be without our coffee, that's for sure. So does that mean additional storage costs, stockpiling, making sure that you've got it in a warehouse before? Is that part of the plan? Because up to now, we were talking about, and what's really clear is this real-time logistics that's been all over the world and that complete interdependence. It seems to me the smart thing, and you've alluded to it, is to make sure you're protecting your supplies, and yeah. that might mean stocked, st stockpiling or other ways to guarantee that you, you almost have it in your possession. So that's something that we have been doing uh, through the pandemic and we keep doing. And I would say there are two, three elements in that. Once more, as I was mentioning before, is very linked to, to the lead times that has been increasing quite a lot when we move goods from country to country. A second element, which is also very important, specifically in UK, is Brexit. And the fact that despite it's already months that we are going through uh, through the new ways of working, there is a, still a lot of challenges in import-export documentation. Rules are changing quite oftenly, I would say. So definitely, stockpiling is something that we are, in a way, putting in place, which, as you can imagine, it's impacting as well uh, the cash, in a way, component of the company. But in a way, that's something that we know that is going to be there for a period of time till gain trust back into the supply chain that we used mm. to know in the past. If at one moment of time we go back to that supply chain, which I also have some doubts because I think things are evolving in a way where 
we will probably need to you know, think twice on, on the models that we have in, in place, meaning I believe globalization is something that is going to be, in a way, turning into more globalization, if that makes sense, which is going to be trying to produce as much as possible locally while still leveraging globalization for specific products when needed. But yes, definitely stockpiling is one of the big elements of a strategy. What has been the impact of Brexit on, on Costa? So I would say the main impact of Brexit has been linked to our ability to both export and import products, right? The first element is about exporting because we produce a big part of our, we roast a big part of our coffee in our facility in Basildon. And from that location, we are distributing coffee globally. When it comes to Europe, there has been really a lot of tensions where we have been exporting the product to, to Europe. As you were mentioning before, storage list lead time. So we have been bringing lots of coffee to Europe to ensure in a way that transit time was not a problem and we could still deliver, I would say, coffee to our consumers and customers around the globe, specifically in Europe. And the same when it comes to importing goods, there are some products that we are today buying from Europe. And once more, it's very it's reciprocal. So the, the ability to import products, the, the change in documentation has had, I would say, a quite a relevant impact on our business. So yeah, logistics has been a, 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 has a, a relevant impact. The second one, as I was mentioned before, it's very much about labor and it's, uh, it's impacting both manufacturing capabilities of our suppliers as well as logistics within the country and the fact that, yeah, definitely the number of drivers available has been considerably reduced because lots of European drivers move back to their countries in Europe. And yes, there is still a a quite a relevant number of, of uh, driver vacancies that is making our life a bit more complex whenever we want to reach every single day all of our stores, almost 2,000 stores that we have in the UK. Yeah. But I think that the way we were some years ago managing logistics, the way we are in a way treating nature, it's in a way going to change. And I think that we go through, we are still going, by the way, through, through the p- pandemic, right? I think that's a quick warning that, that uh, the earth is giving to, to us in, in the way how we manage things, how we manage nature, how we take care of our agricultural commodities, how we, uh, in a way, move goods from within regions and within countries. So I, I think that's going to be a period of challenge in the next coming years. I don't think that's going to stop. I think it's going to be evolving differently. And I don't believe we are going to go into a stable period of time, but we are going to be dealing with different challenges here and there. And just companies that has agility and are able to evolve progressively will be the ones that will succeed in the long run. Thanks so much, Javier, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, thank you very much to you and have a nice day. Javier outlined specifically all the challenges Costa Coffee is facing to secure their critical supply of green coffee. And it's important to note how Costa is prioritizing product availability first and foremost over profitability. This means diversifying their supplier base, keeping higher inventory levels, and finding efficiencies everywhere so they can minimize price increases on already stretched end consumers. Given coffee's fundamental role in our industry, now let's speak with Gert-Jan Elling, Operations Manager at Algrano, a platform that connects coffee growers with roasters in Europe and one that also handles green coffee shipping and insurance. Welcome, Gert-Jan. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you for having me. I wonder if you could tell us about Algrano. We are a platform, a digital platform, 
where we try to connect uh, the coffee producers directly with the coffee roasters in Europe. So the idea is that the coffee producers can put their coffees available online with their own pricing. The roasters can then see this, reach out to them, ask questions. And if they taste the coffee and they think it's fine, they can get to the deal and then get the coffee directly from the producers. Apart from connecting the producers with the roasters, we also take care of the whole supply chain issues so we can ship the coffee from origin to any of our warehouses in Europe. We do the storage there, insurance, we can also finance. It's quite a complex business, this coffee supply chain. I wonder if you could tell us about what are the main factors influencing the supply chain of coffee currently? Well, there are many, but at the end, coffee is mainly being shipped in containers. So every movement of coffee, basically worldwide, is impacted by the whole container shortage crisis at the moment. So if you talk about the challenges that we have had with COVID, if you remember two years ago, everyone sitting at home, having a lot of extra money to spend. So according to that, we had a huge uh, upsurge of actually goods being shipped worldwide. And you can imagine that no one was really foreseeing this and it caused a lot of extra demand in shipping of containers worldwide, plus then the local lockdowns. So we have had uh, until recently in China, so at some point there were 150 container ships, which around 10,000 containers each waiting to be offloaded at the ports of China. Which means if you cannot offload in China, you can also move on with your ship further to Europe. Wow. And are there any challenges at origin? There are many, a few factors. One is container availability. So if you want to ship your coffee from, let's say, Brazil to Europe, you need to have an empty container available. But if this empty container is actually sitting at the wrong place on the other side of the world, there's no chance that you can actually stuff your container with your coffee and move it. Uh, another challenge is availability of the spaces of the ships. So if you have more containers waiting to be shipped out at the port of origin, then actually the shipping lines can carry because they have to cancel the halt of the ship at the port that the containers are stacking up at origin. So we also have had a lot of delays of containers being stuffed but the shipping lines decided not to halt at this particular port. For example, we have really seen this in East Africa, which is on the trade lane between Asia and Europe. So all those ships are from Asia full with consumer goods. They are already facing a delay. So the shipping lines decide not to halt in Mombasa in Kenya, for example, or Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. So you have your container with coffee sitting there at the port. But you're not able to get it out because the shipping lines are deciding, okay, we're, we're already behind on schedule. We are not serving for them the less attractive markets, which is in return quite a challenge for the less developed side of the world. So those countries, particularly in East Africa, really need their exports. What sort of quantum of increase has there been in the price of using a shipping container from one part of the world to another? Well, it really depends on where you're shipping from. So the worst, as far as I know, is shipping from the Far East Asia to Europe and Far East Asia across the Pacific to the US. 
I think their prices have tripled on the spot market. If you compare it to before COVID, it has been now getting a bit lower, but it has been really challenging also from a cost perspective. And then you have finally a contract or you have an agreement in place with your local provider. Say, okay, okay, let's pay triple. And then you don't have your container available, for example. What kind of an increase does that put on the price of coffee? Overall, I would say it's not the biggest uh, cost factor, Okay, I would say. What we see personally, the main part of the transport costs are not what's happening on the ocean, but is the road transport inland. Okay. So, for example, you then have your coffee shipped to, let's say, a warehouse in Hamburg or Bremen or London. But then you would like to get a few bags palletized to a particular address of your roastery. And that is, at the end, quite a big chunk of the costs of the transportation. Tell us about road transport. What, what are the factors influencing the costs and challenges in road transport? So first of all, the fuel price that uh, has also increased quite a bit, especially since the start of the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But also, we see that there is overall a global shortage of truck drivers. So what do, you, what do you think the solutions are to this? Are there any solutions to this disruption to supply chain? Well, I think what we are trying to do at Algrano is we try to inform the latest actual status of all the shipments towards our clients. I think being as transparent as possible in the actual status of the shipping of the coffee, I think that it's key. You have to inform so that everyone is able to plan their roasting schedule and their production schedule. What we're also trying to do now at Algrano is to mitigate a bit uh, the risk is that we bring coffee from the producer to Europe in the position of the producer and offer it there. So essentially, you would be still buying directly from the producer. The only difference is the coffee is already in Europe and therefore it's easier if you run out of your coffee store that you can uh, at least fill the gap. So we are experimenting now with this uh, destination office and so far it has been uh, very successful. So stockpiling of coffee, is that, has that been a trend where r- rather than just in time building up of some of the stocks to provide a buffer? I think it's important now that everyone realizes that we cannot really foresee up until when this instability of the market is going to be resolved. So it's safe to say that if you... I have the possibility to order a bit more directly from your producer in origin, I would definitely do that. Yeah. Just to make sure that you cover your needs until the next harvest season. So what's your thoughts on the future? You optimistic or pessimistic? I'm optimistic by nature. Ah, okay. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, it's not over yet. So many shipping lines have been ordering new ships. I think at this moment, the order book of shipping lines is close to 900 new ships that can carry in total 6.8 million of containers, additionally to the whole freight availability that is currently worldwide. I mean, that's just a crazy amount. And we can probably expect the first effects of this to be seen by the end of this year. Also, the shipping lines are doing all they can to order more and more containers, so to actually increase the whole fleet of containers. And also this, I think we can see the first developments also by the end of this year. But then again, if you still do not have enough truck drivers to actually move the containers out of the ports, be it in destination or in origin, you will still 
not have solved the whole congestion problem. I think the stability we had before COVID, I think it will take some time that we are back to that level. Wonderful. Yet-Yan, thanks for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Gyatyan suggests containers full of green coffee are piling high across the world, which is resulting in delayed payments for farmers while simultaneously leaving roasters concerned that they may not have enough coffee. I'm relieved to hear that containers and container ships are now being built at breakneck speed and may even start to come into operation as soon as the end of this year. Now, to close off this episode, let's understand how the supply chain disruptions are impacting specialty coffee by speaking with Jack Brewitt, CEO of 92 Degrees, a specialty coffee operator and coffee roaster founded in Liverpool, United Kingdom, back in 2014. 92 Degrees currently operates 11 stores, but with a latest round of investment, they are planning to double to 22 next year and then double again to 44 in the next 24 months. That's ambition indeed in such challenging times. Welcome, Jack. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. You've got a growing business. Clearly, there might be some supply chain pressures. <laughs> it's been challenging. Um, we have some great partners that we've been working with, obviously the importing side of our green beans, and they are brilliant. And honestly, there's been weeks and months when you really are worried about, are we going to get the stock that we require? And working with the likes of the green bean suppliers that we have, importers that we have, which is CoffeeNet and DR Wakefield, I can't speak highly enough of them. And touch wood so far, we haven't had anything disastrous. I'm sure I'll get a call in about half an hour from the roastery saying we've got a nightmare going on here. But no, we've got, we haven't had anything disastrous, but it's been challenging like it has been for so many people. Supply of coffee, a big worry, obviously a big worry for you. Other products? Uh, to be honest, I think the biggest one obviously has always been coffee. Um, 80%, 90% of our revenue is coffee. So that's obviously our priority. But I think what we've been finding as well is when we've been opening new sites, you know, obviously getting our espresso machines in, we have a specification of espresso machine that we have across all of our sites. We have a specification of grinders that we have across all our sites. And speaking to our COO here, and we're planning quite an aggressive rollout over the coming months, coming years as well. And we're sort of having to put a lot of orders for grinders and espresso machines in advance that we've never really had to do before. Usually it would be a quick call and, Five days later, it would nearly be installed and it would be great. Um, mm. And now we're having to plan weeks and months ahead of time, which is a good thing, I suppose, for a business that's going through a growth phase. But at the same time, it's something that is worrying. And we have had some issues with getting machinery in stores. And it has been, yeah, sometimes very touch and go with opening days of new sites. And costs. Could you tell us about some of the issues within your supply chain that you're facing? Where, where are the costs rising? Costs are rising everywhere. I mean, it's it's something that we're we're really having to battle. As and I'm, as I'm sure you know, everyone is. It's not just ourselves. But I mean, we we have electric roasters in our roastery. Obviously, the electricity prices are skyrocketing. But then you know you've got also the other side of that away from the roastery and actually what we're doing in stores. You know, we get a, an email. You know, the finance team. It's nearly a running joke that every other week it's a, another email from. Dairy suppliers, for example, telling us that the dairy crisis is continuing to hit farms. So they're having to raise prices of milk. And obviously that being quite a primary ingredient into a lot of our drinks, that's a big issue. We're seeing it a lot. We're seeing it with our even our alternative milk suppliers as well. It's, it's across the board. And how we're trying to 
best deal with that is, again, just keeping an open, honest dialogue with our suppliers and then trying to relay that to our customers. And our customers have been amazing to date. They, they are understanding of what's going on around the world, obviously, but it is challenging and it is across the board. So the open dialogue with your customers, how, do, how does that work? I think one of the things that we pride ourselves on as a business is always being just an open and honest brand. So not ever really trying to hide anything or, or trying to do things like a little bit sneaky to customers. I don't think it's something that we've really ever stood for. And to be honest, whenever we've increased our pricing within our sites, which obviously is a thing that we've had to do, sadly, it's not something that we ever really want to do because it's just not the best thing to relate to customers. But we've always made sure that we've chatted to our teams within stores, made sure they have a full understanding of what's going on. That's the first thing, because they're the frontline guys who are chatting to our customers regularly. So that's the first thing. We obviously make sure the training's up to standards of why we're increasing certain things. And then on the other side of that is that it's very clear of uh, how we push our email marketing out is that we will talk about issues that are going on that I was so much out of our control that as a small business and as trying to grow business, we've got to accommodate those huge challenges. And sometimes that does involve price increases. So it's just trying to explain it as basic as possible, because I think that's the easiest way to get to the root of the problem. And then off the back of that, there's a lot of buy-in from our customers, really. Great. Final question here. Impact of Brexit on your supply chain. It's a, mainly a machinery issue because we have a lot of parts and a lot of bits of kit that are coming from mainland Europe. And it's it's been an increase in cost, for sure, due to the importation side of it, and also huge delays. We've experienced delays like we've never seen before. And there's other things that have gone on that, you know, I, I always wanted to open in mainland Europe and then Brexit's made that a little bit trickier. So I'd always love to have a, a 92 degrees maybe in Milan one day, but that's definitely become a bit trickier now. But yeah, I think it's uh, the main issues, obviously, have been getting stuff into the UK. Thanks, Jack, for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's clear speaking with Jack that supply chain disruptions are raising the cost base for specialty cafes. And of course, not every business can avoid passing on these costs to their customers through higher prices. I really like Jack's approach to get buy-in for price increases from his customers. Be transparent, explain the issues, simplify, and train your staff to communicate the message clearly and empathetically. And that's all for this week's Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have enjoyed this show and want to stay informed, visit worldcoffeeportal.com to get access to all the latest global coffee news, including the weekly coffee dose. Links are in the show notes. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Bristow. And this week's song, in collaboration with the Coffee Music Project, is Engines Off by Stealing Signs. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. She takes me
She takes me home 